You're listening to Rooted and Overflowing. Welcome to episode one of Rooted and Overflowing. I'm Letitia Evans. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And in the midst of our nation and really our world contending with the fallout of COVID-19, I thought it would be appropriate to start the podcast with a conversation I recently had with a mental health professional. Carmela Hill is a leader in the mental health profession, and she, along with her team, serve on the front line of providing care to those who need it most. Carmela and I are no strangers, as we actually share the same college. We both attended the University of Dayton in Ohio. Carmela Hill, welcome to Rooted and Overflowing. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here. I am certainly glad to have you on the program today. I know that you are involved in many things, several different endeavors. So to get us started, tell me about your day job. Well, uh, my day job, I am a director of behavioral health at a community mental health agency. Uh, I lead a team of counselors and intake workers, uh, a jail counselor, as well as a special team treatment team for clients who are experiencing their first episode with psychosis. And so that's what I consider my day job. That sounds great. So once the day is done, what are some other things that keep you busy in your spare time? Well, uh, I started a business in 2017, and it's called Empower to Hope Services. And the HOPE is an acronym for Heal, Overcome, Prosper, and Be Equipped to Be Holistically Whole. And so the whole idea is to empower people to heal, to overcome, to prosper, and be equipped to be holistically whole. It was mental, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, the whole gamut. That's fantastic. So you're in position to help people in your area and beyond. Is that right? Yeah, it is. I'm so excited. It's just been, you know, a dream that I've wanted to have, um, that I've had for quite a number of years, long time, actually. And it just really kind of came like, okay, now is the time to really start doing this. And so um, at this phase, it is I'm mainly conducting consultations and trainings when it comes to mental health and other topics such as like cultural diversity or sensitivity, clinical practices and treatment, things like that. And phase two, I hope to engage in counseling um, and providing therapy. And of course, you always start typically with any business. I would make the assumption the individual will start in their general spheres of influence, wherever they might be right now, with the hopes of expanding the vision beyond just what you see um, in your immediate, if you will, eyesight. So definitely want to go beyond, say, my city or beyond my state, beyond the country. Fantastic. Carmela, you are associated with the name the Mental Healthologist. Tell me how that came about. Well, um, pretty much it's a brand that I started uh, about a year, almost two years ago. And anything that has ology, O-L-O-G-Y, is the study of something. So whether you have, you know, 
health or a physical or um, sign. I mean, just all kinds. Whatever you have before that, ology is the study of that. And so because I've been studying mental health, now this year will be 21 years to date. Um, and I've obtained degrees and things like that in it. And I pursued a PhD in counselor education and supervision. Um, although time and life happens, I did not of uh, the dissertation. Um, so I'm, as they say, ABD or all but dissertation, but I've completed a lot of research and just different things I've done up until this point. And so I've just been studying mental health for quite a number of years. Um, and the 21 years is really since I've been agreed. But prior to that, I was involved in different things that was behavioral health and mental health related. Um, I just did not have the degree yet. So it's just been a long time, and I continue to um, expand my knowledge base. I continue to do workshops. I continue to attend workshops myself to obtain knowledge in different ways to approach situations and circumstances with individuals. And so that's kind of where it all came from. And uh, people start to nickname, you know, that's the mental health lady or something to that effect, you know. And so it just started to stick and I just started to grapple with, wow, okay, there's an identity coming professionally um, based on what I've been doing <laughs> and what I want to continue. To do. Of course, and it suits you well. What are a few tips we can have in mind to help cope with the fallout from COVID-19? Um, I would say number one would be maintaining uh, connections with others. I think in the midst of the concept of social distancing, uh, we've kind of misconstrued that to be we don't need to connect with people. And really, it's just a physical distancing that we need to do right now for safety reasons with the six feet and no more than 10 people in a room, things like that. So the connections, though, mentally and emotionally and socially, we should still be doing with one another. So maintaining connections with others um, is, is very important. So I would encourage people to definitely do that. Find ways to maintain those connections with other people, not just people in your physical home uh, where we maybe in sheltered place and that kind of thing, uh, but also those over the phone, via um, the web, the internet, the social media, all the different avenues where you can still connect with people. Uh, so maintaining connections with others. The number, the second one I would say is finding new routines and standard things to keep, um, keep yourself engaged in life and find a new normal, if you will, because the, what we thought and had normal before is really changed a lot. And maybe for some is no more. And so finding new routines and standard things to do to kind of create some degree of normalcy. Uh, the third one or tip I would say is find new hobbies or talents or activities or things that you can do to keep life enjoyable and interesting. Uh, because some things that we were so used to doing, going out to the mall or going out to, you know, the a restaurant or the golf course or the gym or things like that, when those things were enjoyable and helped us to keep motivated in life. So we have to find other other things to do and other ways to engage uh, so that we can still have life enjoyable and interesting. 
Um, and then the fourth one, I would say, take time for yourself to learn about why you, you, you know, we, we take a whole lot of time for everybody else and we give our time to everyone else and everything else, but never really take that time for us. And so with this hustle and bustle of life, it becomes easy to forget or to ignore ourselves or to minim minimize, you know, what we want, our desires and things like that. So focus on ourselves. Um, I would encourage people to, you know, to focus on oneself is not selfish. It really is self-care. It's a way to balance out life. And, you know, we, we don't want people to be so engrossed with themselves to the point where they forget everybody else and neglect, you know, duties and responsibilities and things like that. But there still needs to be time away. Now, this is challenging because at this time where individuals may not be going out of the home when they would do that self-care kinds of things, uh, they have to find it somewhere in the home. When you have the kids running around, perhaps the, you know, the, the spouse, significant other, et cetera, running around. So where can they find that quiet space for themselves? And so I would admonish people to take that time and, you know, tell your family, Hey, I'm going to the other room. I'm going downstairs, the attic, wherever, <laughs> um, to get away for a little bit of time, you know, and just have that peace for the moment, you know? So yeah, anything you could do to kind of have that self-care moment. That is so good. Self-care, it really is important. What would you say or share with a friend who is caring for a loved one or who has a loved one that has tested positive for the coronavirus? I would definitely say um, encouraging the person because, you know, with the challenges with the COVID, they can't physically, physically console them. They can't go by the home and sit with them. You know, when you have other kinds of illnesses or things, you can go and sit with the person, you know, maybe go clean the home for them or bring them food and just kind of sit and be there in their presence, even if they're sleeping or they just stare at you. <laughs> um, it's just, the you know, the physical presence and the, oh, wow, thank you for being here kinds of moments. But unfortunately, we don't have that opportunity. So that shifts how we console one another. Um, so if we can at least try to support one another by talking and, you know, um, some will even FaceTime or do other kind of video kind of conferencing things. So they have their phones, you know, at home or in the hospital, wherever. So communicating that way, you know, granted, some people may not want them to see uh, you know, others to see themselves and whatever condition they're in, that's fine. Turn the video off, you know, or just do the phone. <laughs> but any way to make that connection, you know, just to be a sounding board, a listening ear, you know, the person with the um, COVID may just want to go off and, and fuss and, you know, nothing's right and they don't come and see about me. I mean, they could just talk about anything, you know, but just be that sounding board for them during this particular time. And then one question I would say is to ask the person, how can I help you right now? I want to be here for you. What can I do? Let me know. Now that makes sense. I can see how that would be beneficial because many times we can try to be helpful, but it's from our perspective and not from the perspective of the person that we're helping. Is there a part of the conversation around dealing with the coronavirus that we are missing or that we have to recast in our thinking? Yeah, I would say initially mental health was not looked at as 
um, maybe something to focus on or even a priority, not saying that it was a priority over physical health, uh, but when I'm saying it, it was, it should have been looked at as, as up there on the radar. Um, you know, we're considered essential workers and pretty much able to function and, and operate. Yes, with some different restrictions and things like that, but for the most part, um, out here on the front lines as well. Um, and so I think when things start to grow worse and things start to change and shift um, for, you know, the disadvantage versus the advantage, um, it began to to bring mental health to, to light and bring it to the forefront. Um, and I think a lot of that happened from my own personal experience. I believe it happened from uh, first responders and healthcare workers, such as nurses, doctors, you know, in the ERs on the different floors and units who started to experience mental health issues as a result of being frontline and, you know, being burnt out and uh, be physically fatigued and emotionally, mentally fatigued um, from dealing with this uh, every day, day in and day out. I mean, they had first responders and healthcare workers, their their fellow um, uh, partners as far as work and everything like that. Some of them end up getting COVID, so then they were out sick or whatever the case may be. Some have even passed away. So you're talking about individuals who are like in a military, you know, where they're fighting now for not only their lives, but the lives of those that they're caring for. And so that's a lot to carry around, you know, as much as people can go and have that comfort of home, they have to do a routine to go back home. You know, such as taking and stripping themselves at the front door, can't have the children hug them right away until they shower and and nearly, you know, burn off their skin almost. I mean, being dramatic and extreme, but that's the reality where they have to now strip and do all of that. And before they can even embrace and encounter their family to get that love and support, you know, and so that changes the game for them. When they can just kick back, go home, and right away be able to fall out on the couch. And you really have to do a whole routine to get back into your home and then suit up again to get back out into the trenches. As we had our conversations before the interview, you mentioned something very quickly, and I grabbed a tight hold of it. You and your staff are on the front line. So how are you all making it every day? So certainly, um, yeah, we're, we're frontline, we're on it, um, you know, from having a, a lot of things have shifted in the sense of providing counseling services and interventions through telehealth. So any form of like either telephone or video conferencing, Zoom platforms, things like that. Um, they have Microsoft Teams, all kinds of different platforms now where you can join and uh, do groups and things like that. So that has been the mechanism that we've done to try to get through. Initially, before all of those uh, protocols and procedures came down from like state and in government and things like that, we were pretty much seeing people still in the office until really things shifted where we were expected to still operate but have the constraints and have some restrictions, if you will, with who comes physically to the office. So for a while, we were still rocking and rolling as normal, um, as best as possible. So that was that was challenging because the fear of, you know, with staff, the anxiety, the worry of who's coming in, how do we know if they have something, you know, what are they going to pass on, things like that. So there was, you know, legitimate concerns and worry um, at that particular time. So it was challenging initially. And then when we start to shift to 
the different protocols and different procedures of carrying out the service. Um, it really raised a lot of anxiety with staff. I mean, it was at one point, I said, if I get another call or text or um, email or any other communicate phone call or anything like that um, of communication where individuals were just in, you know, hysteria in some ways of what about this? What about that? And just the anxiety was so high. And so I had to get to a point and even, you know, when you're talking about infusing faith, I had to really take a moment because it jolted me for a second that I almost just want to just retreat myself and be like, I don't want to do with this. I'm done. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that, I felt like that. I mean, because everything was coming so many different angles and ways, you know, that I really didn't feel like I could catch a break, you know, or a breather because you're having to change and shift. There was so many changes. And so what I did, um, I, I just brought the team together. It was like at the end of that particular week, I said, hey, everybody, I just need 30 minutes of your time, whatever you got to do. 30 minutes. We're all coming together. We're going to be on this conference call, whatever. I sent the link out, you know, and I said, let's come together, you know, shut it down, basically. So that's what I did to really get us back together. And so had that check-in right away of let's kind of see what's going on. Let's talk about what we're feeling right now, you know. So I had to counsel the counselors in essence, because it was really to that degree. Counsel the counselors, you know, for that moment. We needed to rally our minds and ourselves together. And I, I often Oftentimes tell staff that we can't be in crisis when our clients come to us in crisis. It's not going to be helpful. We can't. I mean, I'm not saying we won't have crises, but what I'm saying is we have to be able to manage them until we can at least, as they say, close the door and then behind the scenes, scream and holler and yell. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we can yell and do what we have to do after the fact, but we got to maintain as we encounter them, you know, and we can be honest and real with them, but still maintain some professionalism and that. So I had to rally them together. And then from then on, it was a much more smoother transition for the different changes that we experienced, the different shifts we had to make internally, externally, et cetera. And so, and then from then on, I started to do weekly check-ins and just things seemed to smooth out. I saw the anxiety decrease. I saw some of the worry and I, I wanted to be right where they were, you know, and to also what I found was very important is that when I knew information from a management perspective and director perspective, when I got whatever from my senior leadership team and from my CEO, we've had several management meetings and things, I disseminate that information to them most immediately. I use the check-in time for that because that helped them to keep a pulse on what are the changes that are coming down. So then they knew what to expect. I, I gave, I asked them for feedback. What do, you, what do you think about this? This is what we're talking about as a leadership team. This is what we met about, you know, last week or wherever. Can you kind of share your immediate thoughts with that? And I can take it back to the team. So it really helped rally them in. What role does faith play in how you approach each day? Faith is a core for me. It is my center. Like, I don't have that. You can forget the rest of it, <laughs> you know? So for me, you know, to have God at my center, to have God as a, a way to keep me grounded and keep me at peace in the midst of a pandemic or, you know, keep me in comfort, you know, even in the midst of having uncomfortable things going on around me, you know, and I'm not saying I didn't have moments where I felt like, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> 
Um, and and I, I tease because, um, you know, I talk with other essential workers and individuals. We just kind of shoot the breeze about things. And I said to them, I said, well, when the country is able to move about, you know, I said, I think all essential workers should have two weeks just paid time to be at home and do nothing. I said, because right now I haven't really had a break. Like I really haven't had as much downtime in some ways that others may have had because I'm still rocking and rolling at full capacity, at full strength, you know, or leaning to be, I'll say it that way, needing to be at full strength. I literally had to take probably two days. I think it was in April. And I made up my mind, I said, because I was supposed to take some time off in general for vacation. And because of everything, COVID, all that was just scrapped, you know? But I felt myself needing it. I needed something to just get away for a moment. And I took two days and I just had like a long weekend, you know, and it was fine. But that was my way to say, right. We all need that breathing room. Let's shift gears a bit. Carmela, tell me about your ministry. Um, well, I am a licensed evangelist or a minister of people. You know, that's more common for people um, since 2000. And so this is what, 20 years as far as that is concerned. Uh, but prior to that, I was in ministry leadership um, in various ways. And interesting enough, and, um, you know, how things shift from school and God calling me during that time. And, um you know, it was probably about eh, 1997, somewhere around in there, 96, something like that, where the Lord started really dealing with me with ministry and just saying, okay, I need you, this is what I need you to do kind of deal. And, you know, I, I definitely did the Jonah kind of thing. <laughs> did the Jonah, got on my little boat and went on my other direction that I was going because I was not going in that direction for his ministry. And not that I wanted to go out and just run amok and do what I wanted to do, but certainly I was not ready to do ministry. Um, and so for a few years, few years, just kind of like, yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> and you know, you hear that tap, you know, you feel that tap on the shoulder and you hear that little voice in your ear and, you know, um, and, and really it's just the impression upon, you know, upon your spirit. And, you know, as your part, podcast is like, you know, dealing with being rooted and overflowing. It's like, we got to get that rooting and grounding in God, you know? And if you want to do, if you want to do something in him, you got to get that root, you know, because that's what you want to spring up when ministry comes, when it comes time to do ministry in whatever form or fashion you're going to do that in, you want to be able to demonstrate him in the midst of that. So before we close out, I'd like to know what scriptures or songs of faith are giving you life these days? Well, <laughs> um, it's something how, you know, God will prepare you for some things. And, you know, as much as people say, you know, we didn't know, we didn't expect. And, and certainly I agree. We had no clue of how this was going to pan out or, or how it's going or any of that. But what I do find is that God will give us some things to hold on to that we don't even realize we'll need to later. 
in your moments in quiet time with the Lord, whether it's reading, whether it's meditating, whether it's praying, whether it's reflecting, journaling, whatever it is in those moments, if people were to go back and look at those things, if they recorded them somehow, me, I'm a, I'm a recorder. I journal. Um, I keep a prayer journal. I keep a record. I mean, so I've seen God's hand for years. I started it in Dayton in, in, in college and I've kept it since then. So my mom used to do it and I started it from there, you know, and I've kept it throughout these years. And I look back at times when God was sharing things with me that I had no clue until later it came down like, oh, that's what you were telling me about. That's what you were warning me about. So I say that for this reason, because scriptures that God gave me at the beginning of this year and going into this year were things that I'm holding on to now. And it's so amazing how wow, God, you were really kind of preparing and helped me to, you know, gravitate to some things and hold on and have an anchor. And a couple of things, one was Ezekiel 47. And I, I was in prayer, I was in church, this is before we shifted to not being able to be in a physical building. And the Lord gave me a vision and I saw in our sanctuary how water just began to just gush out of the sanctuary. It was just flowing. It was beautiful. And it was so, and it wasn't like I was drowning in it or anybody was dying, nothing like that. It was just beautiful water from the sanctuary. And the Lord began to share with me and he said, you're a river carrier, you're a river carrier. And he began to share some things and then he took me to Ezekiel 47. I, I don't know if I recall ever reading that. If I did, I don't remember. I'll tell you that. <laughs> You know how God will tell you something thinking, did I ever read that before in the scripture? Who knows? But I really, it, doesn't, it didn't sink in. And when I saw it, it was like, wow. He was showing me what was in that scripture, how the river and the, the water flowed from the sanctuary and it went out into the street. It went out into the, the edges, highway everywhere. And the key piece in there was that those waters were living waters, that everywhere those waters went, there was healing. Everywhere those waters went, there was peace. Where there was dead waters, these living waters, you know, transformed those things. I said, Woo, I felt that, you know? And so that was what I believe held me because then I saw there is a need here. And then when things started to shut down, you know, everything around us, and then the word of God could come forth so strong on social media and different avenues of the internet and things like that, that I don't think it's really been to that magnitude. Mm. I said, wow, God. And then going into um, another scriptures is, is Proverbs. God had me, I said, God, what would you want me to read for January? You know how we get in our consecrations and things like that coming to the year. And I said, well, God, what would you want me to study? And he took me to Proverbs. So I had to read Proverbs in January and it was nothing but wisdom. And then he directed me to all kinds of areas about wisdom. And, and, and pretty much wisdom is instruction. And he began to tell me, he said, if you give me 90 days, you're telling me at the beginning of the year, you give me 90 days. And I'm like, okay, give you 90 days. What is this about? You know, <laughs> but in essence, he was, give me 90 days because every things I'm going to show you and share with you in these 90 days is going to change and shift your decade. I mean, it was amazing. It's amazing. So peace was one of them. Wisdom was one of them having well, being well in my soul, that's, you know, the hymn and, 
you know, you think about the backdrop of that story about is well with my soul and how he had everything, the writer who everything crash, you know, everything that he knew to be safe was gone. And all he had left was with God. And he said, it is well with my, if he can coin that in the midst of a situation like that, surely when my life is still here, surely when I have loved ones still around, surely it's well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Amen. Carmela, where can listeners find you online? Um, well, on Facebook, as well as uh, Instagram, my Facebook handle name is Evange, C-H, so E-V-A-N-G, space, the letter C, the letter H. And then also, of course, my uh, mental healthologist page, so the mental healthologist um, on Facebook, as well as on Instagram. Yeah, so follow me, go follow me if you want inspiration or challenges or things when it comes to mental health. Certainly follow the mental healthologist page. I'm going to have some uh, new up and coming things with that that I'm launching um, related to that. I have a concept that I'm putting out there now that I just launched for this month, May being Mental Health Awareness Month, and it is Empower Me. And so pretty much Empower Me is just the opportunity to equip, to help transform, and to help people release. Release some things they've been carrying, as well as release what they should about themselves. You know, becoming who who God created you to be, you know, and not being held up anymore. So just being able to deal with some mental and emotional issues and things, I mean, challenges throughout life, et cetera, triggers, whatever. As I, I put out there as a tagline now with the mental pathologist, is that the mental pathologist myself, I want you to win. I want you to win. And what that means is I want you to wake up and be aware of mental and emotional issues. I want you for the I to ignite. I want to ignite some change and fire in you. And then the end, I want to help you to navigate the terrains and the challenges of life. So I want you to win. And I'm coining and launching what I'm calling the recovery room in, um, on that particular page. So I want you to win in the recovery room. Come and get some awareness raise up that stuff and ignite some of some fire and change in you and help you to navigate those terrains accordingly. Nice. I would love to bring you back as a guest to share how that's going. This has truly been a delight to share with you today. And I thank God for you and I thank him for uh, working us through the technical difficulties. Um, Thank you for working with me until I got it right. I think people will really be helped by what you shared today. So thank you for your time and for what you do on a daily basis to help people. Absolutely. Thank you. Hi, this is Letitia. I appreciate you listening to this episode of Rooted and Overflowing. Please note that the information and opinions that are presented in this podcast are for general information only. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rooted and Overflowing. You can listen and subscribe at Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or through your RSS feed. Please tell a friend about Rooted and Overflowing. And after a few episodes, I'd love for you to rate and review the show. Thanks for listening.